Welcome to the Perspective Podcast, where we embrace open dialogue from different perspectives about entrepreneurship, relationships, and education. And this open dialogue is needed, especially today, as we live in a Twitter finger society where everyone seems to care more about getting their point across than they are about hearing the other person's perspective. If you're ready to grow your business, your relationships, and your personal development, stick with us here at the Perspective Podcast, because sometimes in life, to get to the next level, you just need a different perspective. If I look like what I've been through, I'd be roadkill. Tell me off of the pavement, I'm reeking from the mold still. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Perspective Podcast. I'm your host, C. Muzan. Got T here with me. Say what's up, T. What's going on, family? Guys, we are back another week. Excited, as always, to get a chance to share our perspective on another topic. Uh, This is one that hits home with both T and I because we both uh, have started our work in the corporate world. And today we're going to talk a little bit about what we call the corporate carrot, right? The, The carrot. Where does that come from? When I say carrot, by the way, like carrot, like in like the food, the vegetable, C-A-R-R-O-T-T, carrot, not as in a diamond. But <laughs> just just for clarification for the listeners, because sometimes right, people don't know what we're saying. Either way. I must be, I must be really fat because I only thought about carrots that you eat. <laughs> well, T, you're not the only person that listens to the podcast, so I'm just going to clarify it for everybody else that's listening that might have thought... Something different, but who knows? So either way, guys, the corporate carrot. And what do we mean by when we when we say the corporate carrot? So we're talking about corporate America. But when we say the carrot, again, I think I've I've said it on a few podcasts before. This this notion of right, how are you motivated, or how do you move things forward? Are you motivated by the carrot, or are you motivated by the stick? So this is the foundation of what what we're going to be talking about. But just to clarify. Right, you can either be motivated by the carrot or motivated by the stick, which means if you think of you know having a donkey or a horse or something that you're riding, typically what they would do is they would the guy riding it would have a stick, and that stick that he has in his hand has a carrot in front of it. So what it does is when you put that carrot, you hold the stick and you put that carrot in front of that donkey, the donkey's gonna want to chase the carrot. Right, it's the thing in your line of sight, in your vision, that is a that is actually moving you forward. It's the thing that you're thinking about that's pushing you towards whatever your goal or your vision is. That's what the carrot is. Also, you could be motivated by the stick. The stick on the back end part of that carrot, like what the the guy is holding, is a stick. Because if the donkey chooses to slow down, stops looking at the the vision. Right, stops looking at the carrot, is looking side to side, he can hit the donkey with the stick and it'll force it to wake up and kind of say, oh, I got to keep moving. And then it'll start to focus on the carrot again. So sometimes in life, we're either motivated by our vision, right, what we see, where we're headed, the goal, or we're motivated by the, the stick, which is the consequence, right? If we don't do something, then this will happen. If we don't show up to work, we'll get fired. If we get fired, we can't pay our bills. If we can't pay our bills, our kids can't eat, right? Like it's always gonna be some type of consequence. So the question is, how are you motivated, right? Either by the carrot or by the stick. Most people, just in general, are motivated by the stick. We're consequence-oriented people. 
It's the way that we are raised, right? The reason why we got spankings and we got beat is because it was a consequence to something. We we grow up in school with a consequence. If you get an F on the paper, if you, you know, fail this class, your parents are going to limit your 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 free time or whatever. There's always consequences. Today let's talk a little bit about the carrot though. Let's talk a little bit about the vision and specifically in the context of the corporate carrot, meaning corporate America and what they actually do in order to get somebody to buy into their vision. And T is going to kind of, he has a story, him and I talked a little bit uh, before this to kind of talk about, you know, what what actually happens in corporate America when they're trying to get the employees motivated or the management team motivated to do something, but yet they have to take these short-term I don't know, shortcuts or um, loopholes in order to try to get their people to move the needle forward. And it's not always the best. It's not always going to be the best recipe for most companies to be able to do that because the more you have to do short-term metrics or short-term tactics in order to move the needle forward of your company... Well, obviously, your, your, your company's lacking vision. Your company is lacking something that is f- allowing the employees, the upper management, whoever it is, to push the vision forward just from the, from the company's vision. So, T, I want you to jump in and just kind of talk a little bit about how you think about this corporate carrot because you're right in the middle of it, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, man... Look, I work for, you know, plenty of companies. Um, some are on the resume and some are not, <laughs> right? Like, you know, you pick and choose, right? Um, and I've always, it's always been interesting to me, um, like you, you kind of alluded to it about the short-term gains, right? It's kind of like, hey, we want to, we want, we want to drive this initiative in our company. So we're going to pay, you know, the employee that, can sell the most or can, you know, get the most of this or do the most of that or, or, you know, sell the most wine, you know, when I was in a restaurant, you know, who can sell the most bottle of this, um, you know, this particular wine and you're going to get an extra $50 or a hundred dollars or whatnot. And it's always cool, right? It's, it's fun. It's a contest. It's kind of like, Hey, you know, I'm already getting paid to do my job, but I'm getting a little extra, a little something, something on it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, it all, it's an exciting thing. However, what I, I've also seen it become problematic when companies only resort when they want to move an initiative, they want to move it with a carrot rather than with vision. All right. And I'll explain. I worked for companies that it didn't matter, right? Like I don't really remember hardly ever, right, getting incentivized for things for the most part, right? Like, you know, there'd be fun things or whatnot, but there was always an overarching vision for the company and where the company was going, why the company was trying to go there, which was the most important thing. So then whenever a new initiative was released or whenever there was a, hey, we need to get some traction in this particular direction or we need to, hey, change course and I know it's going to be a little disruptive, we were able to see and understand the vision why. Right. And then as a, as a, because we were so bought into the why, 
it didn't matter. Like we, we, it didn't matter if you, you know, some of us right now, this is real talk. You could have took the pay down a little bit. Not saying we would have wanted that, but many of us would have stayed if you would have took the pay down because we were so bought into the vision of what it was going to take to make something successful compared to other companies, right, that I, I've worked for and that I've, you know, talked to my, you know, my friends and people that I consult with and whatnot um, that are complaining about the jobs. It's all incentive, 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 and then the company changes directions or needs to go, you know, in a particular area, needs to pivot, and then they're like, man, that pivot or that thing just makes my job harder. And I'm not getting paid for that. The company's making that extra money or the company's doing this or the company's benefiting or whatever, but nothing changes for me. And then now those employees are frustrated about the situation. Absolutely frustrated because there was no vision for them to tie into. It was only about the money. Can now, I, I get it. Real quick, real now, quick. Can yeah. you, can, do you think it's, it leans more on the company to be able to like actually share that vision and get it to their people? Or is it more on the employee to actually want to adapt the vision, learn it and model it? Like who, who's, who's in charge of that? Okay. Well, I'll say this and this, this statement will go for both sides and I'll break it down. And at least how I see it, my perspective, Brian Tracy, one of my favorite quotes from him, the, the famous sales, you know, guru, a man can convince against his will is of the same opinion still. Right? So one more time. The cup one more time. A man okay. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Meaning you can force somebody to go one way and try to convince them, but they still believe what they believe. Sure. <laughs> right? Sure. And ultimately it's going to come out. So from the corporate side. If you're an employee, right, and you are a person, like, looking to join a company that has a vision, but when you're, like, applying with them and interviewing with them, if it if there is no vision cast and they really don't have, like, a, a big vision outside of, like, oh, we put this on our website, you know, so we can check a box, you're not going to convince them to be, in, in, you know, it's to, to, how do I say, lead with vision. Now, it goes the same way with an employee, right? If you're giving somebody your vision or, you know, casting it, and they don't, and then they can't cast the vision back, that makes sense that that's going to connect with you and you guys are chasing a common goal, you know, regardless of paying all the other stuff, you're not going to convince that employee either. So, yes, the, 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 it first starts with the employer having a vision, for their company, having something that they, they say, this is what we're trying to go after. This is what we're trying to achieve. This is what we really, how, how we want to make our mark on the planet. And then being able to hire people, because you can't convince employees once you start, right? Like if somebody says, I'm money motivated, and you're a nonprofit, like, hey, sometimes we have to go part-time, full-time volunteer, you're not going to want to hire that person, <laughs> Right, like they're they're going they're like, hey, how much money can I make? How fast can I make it? They're probably not going to be the right fit based on 
your nonprofit, right. if that makes sense, right? right? Um, unless you got them out there selling, doing the people, you know, selling the uh, the donations, getting people to donate, right? They get a cut of it, right. right, or something. But you you have to be able to hire for both. So I believe that it first starts with the company, right? The the entrepreneur that's running that business to hire the right people that fit within the vision and the destination because then when it's time to adjust, it's time to change, you have somebody that already has the ingredients to make it happen, if that makes sense, right? So that's where I, that's just my ultimate belief system. Then while they're there, you got to cast it when you, when you onboard them, you got to cast it again during the first few months. And it's always a why we're doing it, why we're doing it, why we're doing it. This is what we're looking at. This is what we're thinking about because that's what drove the person to the company in the first place. Right. And that's one of the key ingredients. So you can't like bring them in with it and then get there. And then it's like carrot, 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 carrot. Cause then they're like, I don't mind the carrot. It's just like, okay, cool. That's fine. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. But then it's kind of like, well, how does it fit? Right. How does it fit within everything that we're trying to do? And honestly, it becomes disruptive because employees get confused. And that's the, you know, you don't want employees confused. I can tell you that much now. I've managed a lot of teams, and when confusion happens, productivity comes to a halt, right? It comes to a halt. So that's that's how I look at it. It's it's the company first, and then hiring the right people, right, that have the same vision, and being willing to say no to somebody if they're a good fit and they're not the right fit. And that's just hard for most companies. Most companies just want a a warm body. Well, especially <laughs> especially if it's about scaling, right? If I mean, if you're if you're trying to take your company to the next level, then it, it really comes down to you being able to scale. And sometimes you can't hire the right person, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just it's right. It's 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 about hiring fast and firing fast, right? It's about let's get people in the door. And here's where I would say that. It really, again, it does come from the company it co- because in an interview, right? Imagine you're an employee in an interview. If somebody t- is telling you this is our company culture, this is our vision. Do you have any, right? Do you have any problems with that? Does that make sense to you? Most people will just uh, align with it. But it's different once you get into the system or once you get into the job or into the position, then it really comes down to the actual company culture that is permeating throughout the office, throughout the workplace, like in general. And we see this happen, to be honest, I I see it where it's the worst, and you might be touching on this because this is your realm, T, in sales organizations, right? Organizations that are driven, which most are driven by sales, but some are more like top heavy on just sales, like hiring salespeople, people to be able to push the product or whatever it is. Sometimes when that's the case and it's a sales organization, they forget about culture because the bottom line is about sales, right? So it's all about what's going to drive whatever the most important metric is. And the most important metric for most businesses is going to be the bottom line. It's going to be profit. So sales and labor are the two things that really are going to be able to to, to kind of move the needle. So that's why a lot of 
sales organizations focus on bringing in the right people and then incentivizing salespeople, right? Incentivizing them because there really isn't an overarching company vision, even though they write it on paper, right? And everybody that's out there that has thought about being an entrepreneur that has gone some to some traditional type of seminar will know that every company should have a mission and a vision, right? So that's like the first thing you write down when you start the company. It doesn't mean that that's permeating throughout your company. It just means that's- And that's the problem. That is the problem. Yeah, and that's, a, that's the problem. Um, I, I just, as, as you say that, I'm, I just think about the first part, which is companies, don't invest the same amount of energy. A lot of companies don't as in the marketing and acquisition of talent mm -hmm. as they do acquisition of customer. Absolutely. Right. And, and as you're saying, and I'm just like, Hey, we know everything about our customer, what the good companies do, right? They know everything about the customer. They know the, why the customer wants it. What are they thinking about? What keeps them up at night? Um, how this product, you know, fits into their lifestyle. They understand what their competitors think about this product and how they try to fit this in the customer's lifestyle. And we, and then we create the right online presence, offline presence, direct messaging. Like, I mean, you know, we'll knock on your door. We'll hit you on Facebook. We'll hit you on Instagram, Twitter, whatever, right? Wherever you're at. It, you YouTube marketing now, it's coming like a big popular thing again, what have you, we'll do all of that. But then when it comes down to acquiring the right talent, I'm not saying the best talent, I'm saying the right talent, it's Craigslist. Here you go. Hey, <laughs> apply if you, <laughs> apply if you, um, you know, if you. Uh, no experience BCA, necessary except right? for like, uh, yeah. uh, degree except washing for, cars. <laughs> yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, like uh, yeah, bachelor's degree, uh, no experience necessary except for the piece of paper you paid for <laughs> because you have proven to me you can fit in something, yeah. right? <laughs> like, you know, it's like my favorite commercial, right? Like, and it's just like, hold on. That think about that for a second. Think about that. We we invest so much money on. And I understand somebody's out there, but the customer is the lifeblood. The customer is this. Yes, the customer is that. So if you're telling me the customer is so precious, it's the lifeblood of the business. If there's no customer, there's no pay. Right? Like Southwest puts that on their uh, paychecks. I don't know if they still do, but they used to say pay to you by, and it say the cut. It would literally be the customers, right? It <laughs> won't say funny. pay to you by Southwest. It says pay to you by Southwest customers or the customers of Southwest. Right? Yeah. They they always want their employees to remember who pays them. If that's the case, that's like your precious baby, right? Is the customer? Why would you? Leave your baby with, you know, I, like with the Undertaker employee. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? like, like, think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. If you are the business owner, say the customer is everything, yada, 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 then why are you not putting the same, if not more emphasis on putting systems in place to do everything that's godly possible, right? To hire the right people that's going to take care of your precious baby. You know why? Because that costs money. <laughs> that costs oh, money. And to, oh, Jesus. to bring on, <laughs> that's just, it's just the truth. That costs money to bring on board the right people, to train those people, 
and to keep like to actually like incentivize them to want to be with your company to have the best talent you have to come out of your pocket and you have to pay people you know above what the national average is or the industry standard you're gonna have to pay more if you want to attract better talent most companies are unwilling to do that so what most companies do and again especially ones driven by sales is they'll just push you to sell more because they know sales cures everything right people will continue to keep coming back if we can can keep if we can keep delivering on these sales numbers if we can keep getting these whatever things out of the door well then we have a chance so we don't have to think about hiring on the top level people making sure that we're paying them we don't have to worry about that because it's a different model we're going to run volume that's how i feel most companies or corporations are going to look at it that's why they won't bring on board the right people most companies and i'm not saying all but most companies they won't bring on board the right people because they won't pay top dollar for it and they rather just you know run the numbers be able to sell as much as they possibly can with the team that they can pay the least amount to because that's what you do you keep your overhead low or your your expenses low you pay people less to try to increase profit that is how the business the corporate world works well you know it's funny it's funny right now so when i say and i want to make sure i'm clear for the audience too when i say right people i don't necessarily mean the best talent right because to your point the most talented people are going to run you a premium right and for and for good reason right but i believe that you should have a system and maybe this might just be my 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 clarity now from the ebiff you know book that we you know we talked about in another podcast mm-hmm. but you should be able to have the right you should have very clear vision very clear direction and a clear system, right? That of I'm going to hire this type of person. It's the same thing, right? Like let's like let's just you know you know you know take the lipstick off the pig here, right? Let's just be honest. The word we're going to say discrimination. All right, I'm going to say it, and then we're talking about a workplace type environment, so people are probably freaking out right now. Anybody that's in HR, hold your hold your horses, okay? <laughs> As right now, I want to say this. From a customer perspective, in business, you better discriminate because you're going to waste a lot of money chasing the wrong people, right? It's like you want the low-hanging fruit, the people that are more inclined to buy your product. You don't want to have to sit here spending months to convince somebody that maybe this is good for them, right? Like, you know, like when I sold cars, right? It's, hey, you want to, you know, hey, you know, you well, first of all, you know, company I worked for, the marketing was fantastic. I didn't really have to do a cold call. But let's say if I did, hey, you know, hey, uh, Mr. Muzan, you know, hey, um, I'm Terrell from XYZ Acme um, Car Sales Company. How you doing today? I'm doing, okay, good. I'm doing pretty good, Terrell. I'm fantastic. Hey, I just, you know, just want to let you know we got some new specials on cars. Are you, are you in the market? No. Okay, thank you. Click, right? Like, <laughs> like that's it. Like, all right, cool. No, you're not in the market. I'm not going to be like, you sure? This man has a, a 7.5. It, it means nothing. I'm wasting time, right? Okay. So, we, we, we do all of those things for, like I said, for the, for the customer, but on the other side, you can do the same thing to hire the right person that fits your system that will work. 
And then guess what? You don't have to. You may it may not be the top creme de la creme talent. Look, I mean, we talk about it all the time. Like some of the biggest companies in the world are not run with the most talented people. Like quote unquote talented people. What society would call talented? Who you got? Amazon. It's fifteen dollar an hour factory workers. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you know, with some top end, don't get me wrong, top talent. Like in the programming world, on it, right? In the software development world. But then, guess what? That's where it's at. Most of their workers, fifteen dollars an hour or less. Right? Yeah. You McDonald's, we already know. You know, now if you go to California, they might get fifteen, right? <laughs> you know, like New Jersey's I mean, about to make it fifteen too. Right, exactly, bro. Like, look, New Jersey with that. So then you go to um Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A voted best customer service in America. With fifteen dollar an hour workers. Costco, fifteen dollar an hour. Like, you know what I mean? Like you just like you gotta be able to properly discriminate when you're getting your customer, but then also I I did I I you know I I fluently use the word discriminate <laughs> when when bringing on people, <laughs> right? Like I know somebody gonna be like, oh my god, he discriminates. No, but but think about it. If you're saying this type of person that has these skill sets over that type of person that has those skill sets, that's a form of discrimination. Sure. Those skill sets don't work. These skill sets do. What do we? We just paint the lipstick on the pig. Oh, they won't fit our culture. No, okay, you just discriminated against their culture to yours. <laughs> like you know what I mean? You don't want to play in the sandbox with them. Yeah. You don't want them playing in your sandbox. It's the same thing, right? Like now, you can't do it for race, color, you know, gender, you know, sexual orientation. You can't discriminate on those things, but you can't discriminate on their experience. Right. <laughs> you can't discriminate on their 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 dress, right? Like or they they say, Hey, I wanna wear my goatee and you're like, Hey, we're a clean shaven company, you're discriminating. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean it's just the reality of it. I remember working at one place and I won't say the name obviously, and I remember I was sitting there, I, I was um I wasn't no I wasn't no like leadership role at the time. What no, I wasn't. And I remember some people came in for an interview. They walked through the door, and I remember one of the managers saying, nope. <laughs> and I was like, and now, they were a different nationality. They were people that you would have thought, like, but they were like, look how they're, look how they're carrying themselves, look how they're standing. Look like, you know, they were qualifying it, right? Because they said it out loud. So I'm like, whoa, like, good. But they were, they were walking through it, and I was like, wow. And that was my first, this is years, years ago. I was just thinking to myself, like, wow, like, you got to be on point. Like, you know, they have a model. It doesn't fit the model. They're like, look how they're communicating. They're not making eye contact. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. And they're watching from afar. Just their greetings this with, is, the, with the, the, the secretary. This is literally what I used to do when I worked for, and I'll name them, the Cheesecake Factory, right? Because we, <laughs> we, we've already named them before. <laughs> Shout out to Cheesecake, right? What I learned, I, I know we, everyone has a cheesecake story. Um, what what I learned by working there as a manager is we would let when we would hire servers or front desk staff like hostesses, 
we would literally let them sit in the lobby, literally sit in the lobby for 10 minutes. And not every restaurant was like that, but that wasn't like our personal style. We let them sit in the lobby for at least 10 minutes. And on multiple times, I would walk past and I would look at their face because it was their, what we call their resting face, right? Or, right, the face, their 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 default face. That's what mm-hmm. it's called, their default face. Well, when you hire a hostess, they're the first thing that someone sees when you walk into a restaurant. You need that default face to not be one of, like, a sourpuss grandma. You know what I mean? Like, it has, to, it has to be that, like, even when you're not thinking, you're unconscious about, like, your face, it's actually still pleasant. Because if you happen to, you know, not be looking up and somebody walks in the door and your default face is this super frown, super pitiful, looks like you're in pain, well, then you're not going to be a good hostess here because I need you to smile. And if I catch you on a day, like an off day, right, is that what our guests are going to see? So we, yeah, okay. so we used to do the same thing. We used to literally sit and watch and look at what people's default face was because that's the face that people were going to get most times when that server or that hostess was unhappy. Now, if you call, I mean, that's a form of discrimination, I guess. I don't know that I would say use it in the same, I don't know that I would use the same terminology to say discrimination. I think it's more of a a selective process. We don't like the word, but it's discrimination. It's the reality of it. It is what it is. But, you know, it's it's not necessarily discrimination. It's more like just a selective process. You have to choose at Mm. some point. You're not discriminating, saying, like, these I can't have. You're just saying this is a trait that's unfavorable for the position, right? It's not. I, I wouldn't take it as far as discriminating against a certain type of person because they have hey, a trait. Let's just call a spade a spade. You're discriminating against the resting D face. <laughs> <laughs> that should be discriminated against. It's a horrible thing. No, I'm joking. <laughs> exactly right. But it's funny. It's it's funny you say that, right? Like you know, you know, as many people know, me and Chris, you know, came up in college, and our default job while we were not playing basketball was working in restaurants, right? And I remember working in a restaurant where it was mandatory. Shout out to Houston's that you had to smile, <laughs> like like you know Houston's restaurant, right, yeah. right there in Miami. Like you had to smile, yeah. like you like at all times you had to smile. You know, my my wife, you know, did a did you know time working with Disney. When you enter Disney real estate, any type of piece of a Disney property, whether you were driving in to work or leaving, you were on stage. Right. They told you that. That's actually Meaning, what it's called. If you, <laughs> that yeah, exactly right. You're on stage, right? And you always had to have this presence or demeanor about you. Now, going back to our kind of our original theme from the, I guess, employee hiring, right? You gotta be able to try to invest the time and resources if necessary. It might actually go all out of control, but I can make an argument and there's enough, you know, enough people that I've, I've seen do it or whatnot or read about directly, indirectly, that do invest the same amount of time and energy and talent of acquiring that. Because here goes the thing, you can never acquire enough customers. But at some point, like the, your customer growth, 
won't ever compare to your employee growth. Like, you know, you'll never have the same equal employees to customers, yeah. right? Like, you know, now as your customers grow, obviously your employees, your employee, your staff is going to grow as well exponentially, but they're not going to directly correlate. They'll correlate, but not in numbers, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I don't, I think that a long-term play is not, is having the right people, not the best people, the right people, now, if somebody's going to say, well, the best people are the right people, right? No, not always. No, not at all. Right? Like, like, think about it. Do you really want, like, and this is like real talk. Do you really want somebody like me, right, and my opinion, my opinion in itself, going in and being a cashier at McDonald's? Of course Like, not. Like, don't get me wrong. From a customer perspective, it's awesome. I, I got it. Ain't nobody, you know, I'm going to take care of the customer. Whatever you guys tell me McDonald's to do, I got you. I'm going to do it. I'll flip these patties. I'll make sure these customers are taken care of. But from a manager perspective, it's like, yo, I'm going to be like, hey, you know, like, hey, Mr. Manager, I didn't, you know, I saw you listening to the other, talking to the other person. I don't know if that was cool. Like, you know, <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? It, I might not be a good fit because of my experience. I'm naturally going to start trying to lead something. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know that about myself. Some other people are going to start trying to do X, Y, Z. I'm not the best fit for that. Right. I'm just not like I know me. It's not going to be comfortable because I'm going to have my own way and my own thoughts and my own perspective. And being a cashier at McDonald's is not going to give me the, the creative, the creative real estate that I need to be so to be fulfilled, if that makes sense. Right. Like, I'm not going to fit in that box. And so I'm not the, yes, I might be like, yes, I don't have to worry about that drawer. I'll, he has years of cash handling experience, yada, yada, yada. He's the runner, you know, $30 million, you know, establishment, blah, blah, blah. I'm not a good fit. But somebody else that's like, hey, I'm learning, I'm growing, I need this, this, or that. I'm, I'm here to, like, learn more than earn and da, 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 That might be a better fit. If that kind of makes sense, right? I hope I'm hope I hope that like it's coming out clearly. No, like somebody's like, oh, Terrell, you won't work at McDonald's? If I had to, I would. <laughs> but right now, I don't have to. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Shout out to McDonald's. Nothing wrong with McDonald's workers. I'm not saying anything about that. It's just I'm trying to paint a picture here. <laughs> we get it. We get the picture. At the at the end of the day, you're right. It's not about just bringing in great people. The, you know, the, the the most talented people, like you're saying, aren't always the right person for the job, right? And at the end of the day, in, in a business, how I look at it, more of the philosophy of you don't even need to just build a business finding the right, pe the, 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 the top talent. You can just build a business by bringing on people that you can then build, right? Yeah. If, if somebody's coachable, yeah. trainable, teachable, learn, like they want to learn, you build a business by building other people and then people build your business, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's the way that it should go. But again, most people don't and most corporations don't focus on people, right? The companies that have done the best over time are the ones that focus on their people first, meaning their employees first, right? Employees over customers sounds right and not a lot of people not, not not a lot of people will will agree with that but it's proven in some of the biggest companies and companies that grow the fastest that if you take care of your people first your people will take care of the customer versus 
you just focused on taking care of the customer and you're neglecting your people. They're not getting paid properly. The culture isn't good. There's not, right? There, there's, there's no upward and downward and sideways communication and management, right? That those things don't happen in an organization that is just focused on the customer. Companies have to focus on their people first. If you focus on your people first, they will take care of your business. That's the way that it should go. And the best companies out there do it very well. It's the balance being able to do both at the same time, take care of your customers and take care of your people. But if there was one that had a slight edge for the companies that are going to win over the long haul, it's going to be the companies that take care of their people first, their internal people, their employees, understanding what makes them tick. Go back to how we started this podcast about the company carrot, right? Here's what I would say about the corporate carrot, excuse me, the corporate carrot. What I would say is that carrot is different per individual. So yes, the company has a vision. The company has a place that they want to get to. Then as soon as you bring other people into the equation, meaning other employees, management, the whole nine, it then becomes, what do they want? Right? Do they need to make X amount of dollars? Is it a work-life balance thing? Is it a is is it a paid vacation thing? Like, what is it that these people actually want to make them understand that we as a company care about them? And as soon as a company makes that differentiation, as soon as a CEO says this is the main thing, is what do we have to do to keep our employees? happy, satisfied, fulfilled, then they can go to work talking more about the vision of the company because that employee or that staff member is more willing to then do the work because you're giving them what they want at first. You see how that works? Yeah, no, it's it's 100%. But then again, to your point, if that's the case, then if that's the argument, which I, I get and I'm with, then... You have to be willing to invest that time on the front end to make sure you're getting a person that's closest to where you're trying to go as possible and you guys can feel each other needs for each other, right? Now, it's funny. It's funny. We, it's, when you get the bigger the company, it, it, it's interesting. Like when we have a small business, we talk about, we use the word entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. But then when we use a big company, we like, we use the word, and I know rightfully so for some of these publicly traded companies, right. it, we, we use the word um, corporate. Yeah, the yeah. company's trying to go, right? Yeah. It's really still the entrepreneur <laughs> trying to go there. It's just, it might be more of them, right? And I, and then and then you've mentioned before on other podcasts, which is just honestly not true. Once you bring, once you go public, <clears throat> other people, there's other people carrots there now, Absolutely. right? And those carrots tend to be more um, pointed at the balance sheet, the cash flow, <laughs> the, the assets, the liabilities, and, that, and everything because else. Because that's because here's what it comes down to: like when you do go public for any company that goes public, then you have a board of shareholders. You have people mm-hmm. that don't care about people; they care about money. Like that's what happens when you get to the board of a publicly traded company. It's going to point towards how how do we make more how do we make this more profitable? How do we make more money from this thing? 
right? In the next three months, six months, right? Like whenever the quarter two, we need to hit these numbers. Quarter three, we need to hit these numbers. It becomes a numbers game and it's less about people. That's what happens when companies get bigger. And that's the uh, that's a fatal flaw, in my opinion, that it, they take their eye off of the people. As much as yeah. pe- as much as companies want to say, oh, we love our employees, we love our staff, we love da da da, because a lot of companies put out that rhetoric. But when you really open up the hood and look under the hood of that company, it's run because they want to make a profit. They don't want to make the best possible working environment first that's secondarily the first thing is we're here to make money and make a profit secondarily we know we need to make it comfortable for people that's how most Mm. corporations think and if you flip that where it becomes the opposite where you say hey i care more about my people what do they need what do they want how does it work like what keeps them happy what makes them fulfilled what makes them want to buy into our vision what makes them feel like they're leaders what how do we you know delegate how do we make people feel empowered how do we recognize how do we support how do we give them those things and then let them train them exactly what the company's vision is and how we like you know our procedures and then let them do that if people are happy first they'll do the work the reason why most employees or people that are in management or something aren't doing the work is because they're not happy. They're not fulfilled with like the work that they're doing. So yeah, it has to it has to flip, right? People that want to run successful companies, like it has to be about your people first. Period. Yeah. No, it's funny you say that because that's you know it's you know what they always say people people don't quit companies they quit their management, right? Yeah. Um, you know, because the, the manager is the is the first line. It's the representation of the of the company, right? And then the employee is the representation of the company to the customer. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to work for you know work for an employer that you know we always said the internal and external customer, right? We always we would use that phrase you know under you know certain leadership when we had, and it was always like hmm when you say customer it makes me think of my people differently, mm-hmm. right? It makes me think, I naturally go to, oh, what does the customer need? What do they want? How can I help them, right? Like you get into this real service-oriented type of, um, you know, um, style compared to, oh, that's my employee, that's, right? <laughs> it's so funny that you would say that too because that's actually one of the reasons why most people struggle becoming a manager, for people that grow up in like some type of technical business or, you know, I mean, you work a bunch in a technical business, but then you get that opportunity to become a manager. You actually think that now you're better than the, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like you got the raise. Now you're in power a little bit more. So now you start to think that like, Oh, I can kind of tell you what to do or I make the schedule or right. I hold the card. So you start to feel like this, this power over, other employees or staff members where you just were those managers that do that and have that about them they always fail because the key and the trick to once you get into management is to realize now you work for them meaning you work for your staff meaning you work for the people that you're overseeing that you're running right like if you get to you're in sales 
and then in the sales department and then all of a sudden you get promoted to sales manager now you work for all those salesmen like you work for them meaning it's your job to keep them happy it's your job to make sure that like if jo johnny has uh right his daughter sick that like you give him the day off or whatever the case is like that becomes your responsibility to now make them happy and that's not what people think management is they think it's i can yeah. just rule with this iron fist because now i got to a better place because i was better than you or i was more talented than you but it, the best managers serve their the, their staff the reason why i could say i was a go-to manager when i was working in restaurants is because i gave the staff what they needed i didn't come in and try to rule with an iron fist even though right we had standards and expectations and I was more like most of the staff respected me to put those things in place because I did the groundwork, right? Like when the bartender was in the weeds, meaning like super busy and he couldn't handle it. Guess who jumped back there? Me. And guess what I was doing? I was making drinks and I was helping him when the guy on the line is going down because he has eight tickets and he hasn't started one of them yet. Who jumps back there? me why because i know he needs the support when the server is in the weeds like you see how this goes like this the, the the management that actually gets their hands dirty with their staff or make sure their staff is put first they will get they will be more uh, be a more productive staff that company will grow like that's the way that it goes in management it is about service and that's where a lot of people make the mistake when they get into management because they think that now they have some type of power, but actually you just became more service oriented, more, right? Like, like of a, I don't know, a servant basically, right? Servant yeah. leadership. That's it's what a, it is. It, I was about to say servant leadership. It's funny you say that. So I, um, one of the things like, it's kind of quirky that sometimes I, I will do when I'm trying to like, if I, see the product or something that maybe I like or something I'm considering. Sometime I will, if I'm trying to learn, it's like I'm like trying to figure out the company, like do I want to make a purchase with them or, is it, you know, is it integrity, you know, the company of integrity. One of the things I like to do is I actually like to um, go to the careers page and look at the jobs they're hiring for and read how they are communicating to candidates how they want them to take care of the customers. Sure. Right, I know it's kind of weird, right? So, but anyway, so right, I know most people are like, "What?" Whatever floats your boat, T. Whatever floats your boat, <laughs> right? Man. Right. And, okay, so I know it sounds weird, whatever. But, <laughs> but, but because because they're commute, they're they're laying out the vision, and I can start to interpret the type of individual that are behind the company that are going to represent the company, sure. right? So I remember this one company. Um, that I was looking at one time, I was looking at, you know, like a, a course that they had and I saw a job posting that they had for like, um, you know, like digital media or whatever. And they literally said, Hey, if you're going to apply for this job, and I'm now I'm going to water it down, not water, I change up the words a little bit as I remember it, but it wasn't far off. It simply said, we need somebody. We don't want somebody that comes in here that's soft like gummies. Managing the team. 
This is what they said. We don't want somebody in here soft like dummies being Mr. Nice Guy or I care so much about the people. I'm so sweet. They want somebody coming in that's going to be like, and they literally put this, hey, I need this done. Get it done. And the employees will respond, oh, here they go again. That's the type of person we want managing this team. Wow. That's in the job. Wow. Description. Yeah. Like, like we're not micro. We don't micromanage. We don't micromanage. So if we give you a task in your role, you'll get different projects. If we give you a task, we want you to get it done. We're not gonna micromanage you. We expect it done. X Y Z. Now we co- but then we collaborate. We do this. We do that. But we want somebody that's gonna get it, get it done. Say it once to your people, and they know they better get it done. And now watch this. Now I get where they're coming from, right? But then as a customer, I've already seen when the corporate objective doesn't meet mine, what's about to happen. Right. Right? I already know what's about to happen. Because if you're going to tell your people, if your people's response is, oh, here they go again, that means, again, that you're demanding you're going to probably demand in a way, in a way, not saying you're going to demand too much. I don't lower standards. But you're going to demand in the way that's going to be disruptive, right? And if you're going to do that to your people, that's going to reflect back on me as a customer because that's just, you know, because poop run downhill. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, there's no getting around that. And I just really like, man, like, wow. Like, that's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. But – a, to the point, it's about the bottom line, it's about the profit, about the growth, it's about this. And don't get me wrong, why are we in business, right? Somebody's probably like, hold up, because Terrell, you guys have gotten soft on us. <laughs> you know? Like, you know, you got, but we're like, hey, we're we're playing the long game. We're not talking about setting low standards or, or, or lowering our standards. No, not at all. What we're saying is keep ridiculously high standards and – with our customers and what we expect from our employees, but then how we treat them along the way to get there should be a high standard as well. I shouldn't ask my employees to hit a high standard when I got, you know, when I got, you know, I'm, I want champagne standards. I got champagne standards and expectations, but, you know, malt liquor, 40 ounce, you know, old English, um, you know, type of <laughs> management style. It sure. don't correlate. Sure. Come on now. It doesn't correlate at all. And anybody that don't know what old English is, it's a malt liquor. That, uh, <laughs> it's a malt liquor <laughs> that's uh, very cheap and it gets you drunk <laughs> really fast. And, ter- uh, and Terrell I and I consumed a lot of it in college. Let's just <laughs> If you're broke and you want to get drunk really fast and don't have anything to do for the rest of the night or the next day, for half the next day, drink 40 ounces of malt liquor old English. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know why I went off on that tangent. But I just want to let the – you know, somebody might be like, old English? Is that a program by Grant Cardone? Maybe. <laughs> They may not know what that is. They may uh, not. But either way, <laughs> we just educated them on, on, on the malt liquor side. To wrap up, because we had too much fun on this podcast, man. To wrap it up, guys, we're always going to leave you with the question of the day. 
the question of the day, again, just stems from what we just talked about with this corporate carrot. The question becomes, hey, is it on the employee in the employer, right? Is it on the company to create the environment for the employee to flourish? Or do you think it's really the employee's responsibility to come in, grab hold of a vision and move the business forward regardless of the circumstance? So I think that's a that's a question because we don't know which side it should be on. You've heard T and I kind of go back and forth and we've said a little bit about kind of on both sides, right? A little bit about, hey, this is the employee's responsibility, but really we, we really do lean more towards it being on the company doing the right thing. But we're asking you guys, we want to hear your perspective. We want to hear your take on it. Some of you that are in corporate America right now that are working hard, but you're at a company where maybe they don't value you. Maybe they are not valuing other other staff members and you see it in the company culture where it's just about sales or it's just about the bottom line. Do you think your employer has a responsibility there? Should they are they thinking about the employee the right way? Is does the blame or I, I don't always like to say blame, but does the responsibility fall on the company? Or is the responsibility on the individual person that comes in, that manager, that um staff member that knows the expectation if an expectation was set and then they reach that expectation or they don't like is it on the employee to actually level up and get to that place where they can move the needle so we're we're, we're curious to kind of hear what your take is on it because again we just want to hear your perspective and see exactly what you're thinking about um t do you have any last any last things to give to the people as far as uh, what what we just talked about today on this corporate carrot? Any last thoughts? I'll just say this, and and the word we kept using throughout is vision. Whether you are you know building a company, a manager of a company, or you own a, your own business, or you're an employee going in, you have to have a vision of where you want to go. And I remember you know Grant Cardone said something, and I, I love this quote from him. He says you know for 20 years he. He, his business dictated what his life was going to be like. Then he stopped, decided what type of life he wanted, and made his business meet that need, right? And it's, it's a total flip. And I encourage the entrepreneurs on this call, know where you want to go or you want to be or the direction, whatever you want to travel for the rest of your life, and then build a business that funds it, right? And if you're an employee, have a vision for what you want to experience and what you want to accept. And if you want to, you know, if you don't care to run a business or whatnot, then have a vision for that and then go to a company that funds that, that feeds that desire. Because at the end of the day, ultimate ROI, it truly is happiness. And you got to be able to know that, but that stems from your vision and not from anybody else's opinion. So that's what I will leave you with. That's it, guys. Got to have a vision. And that vision is going to propel you into the future, whether it's with a company, whether it's by yourself, but making sure you're getting into the environment where a vision is present. If you're not creating your own vision, follow someone's vision that you believe in wholeheartedly. And uh, it'll lead you to purpose. It'll lead you to good things. It'll lead you to being able to work at, at your best levels because you're passionate about what you do. So vision is everything. Guys, we're looking forward to hearing your your feedback and your conversations. Hit T and I up on Instagram, on Twitter, wherever you can find us. We're all over. 
feel free to reach out to us and message us. But until then, we will talk to you guys next week. Say goodbye to the people, T. Love y'all, family. Peace out. Later. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Perspective Podcast. We hope this conversation made you think a bit deeper, gain some insight, or even possibly even gain a brand new perspective. If you did enjoy it, do us a favor. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, Anchor, or anywhere else you stream. Leave a review to help more people experience these conversations and potentially change their perspective as well. And lastly, as always, T and I want you to connect with us. So follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. You can find us just by using our names. And there we get a chance to hear your perspective. Until next time, God bless.